Move Against Cancer podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma Hillier Moses, Move Charity founder, lover of all things running, travel, and tea. And I'm Lucy Gossage, oncologist, outdoor adventure lover, and 5K UA co founder. I'm Georgie Freeman, lover of exploring new places and the 5K UA manager. The reason we originally set up this podcast was to inspire and support and empower people to move and live an active and fulfilling life despite a cancer diagnosis. In this podcast, we want to share the stories of ordinary people doing incredible things as they find their own way to move against cancer. Going through cancer treatment can feel incredibly isolating and lonely. There's so much behind every individual cancer journey and so much of it is unseen and often unspoken. We want to explore the ways our guests navigate their way through the unimaginable. And we hope that by doing this, we can provide you with some tips, some tools and some inspiration to make your journey that little bit easier. We'll cover every aspect of living with and after cancer, from physical and psychological well-being, identity, goal setting, mindset, staying active, grief and loss, family and friends, and so much more. We will make you laugh, but we also may make you cry. But we guarantee that you'll take something away from every single episode. So we do really hope that you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Move Against Cancer podcast. You may notice that it's a slightly different voice talking to you today as opposed to Gemma, Lucy or Georgie. And that is because it's me, Sophie. Um, I work for Move Charity. I am the fundraising and admin and fundraising coordinator, sorry. And I've also been through the eight week online program myself when I was having treatment for leukemia. I'm absolutely delighted to have been asked to be host for this episode. Um, I'm actually really excited because the guest I've got today, Tony Lorma, is an ex-professional footballer and I am really into my football. I'm a scouser, so I support Liverpool Football Club, and I have done since I was a child. Um, so it, this is really exciting for me, and I really hope you enjoy listening. It's just nice for me to be able to ask the questions. I have been on the Move Against Cancer podcast before, and you know I've been answering questions, having discussions, leading things, but I've never hosted. Um, so I'm really excited, and this is my opportunity to be the one to ask the questions and you know it um, and I'm really excited to hear Tony's story hear all about his career and to be honest he from reading his blog I I just honestly think that he is such a strong advocate for positive mental attitude when you've got cancer you know for living each day as if it's your last kind of thing you know um a bit of a Ronan Keaton quote there but yeah it's just I suppose life is is too short to be worrying and I think that's what Tony really puts across. So I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode and that whether you're affected by cancer or not, that you do take something from it as there's some, you know, really strong messages in what he's got to say. So enjoy. I am delighted to say that I am joined by Tony Lorma who is an ex-professional footballer, scoring 102 goals, was it, in 374 appearances in the the English Premier League, uh, uh, the English Football League, sorry, may not be Premier. Um, So thank you very, very much for joining me today, Tony. Um, 
Tony's actually had his own experiences with cancer and I'm sure we'll sort of get into the nitty gritty of that. Um, but hello, how are you today? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I'm all right. I've got a, I've got a day off. So, so yeah, it's quite nice. Um, I was doing a bit of a relaxing day. I've got the I've got the Great North Run on Sunday. Oh so, um, right, okay, exciting. Look, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's almost it's almost like waiting for Christmas. Yeah, you know what I mean, so it's um so I can't do too much this week physical wise. So I'm just sort of ticking over, doing little bits and bobs, and then yeah, all ready for that. So I'm sort of kicking my heels a little bit. Yeah. Um, what was it? But yeah, it's lovely to to have a chat with you. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, it's obviously we're absolutely delighted to have you here um, and I think we should start by going back to your football career because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of <laughs> listeners who are probably only listening for that little chunk of it and um, I think you know obviously movement, physical activity, sport that was such a huge part of your life and mm. I suppose just in a nutshell, if you could just sort of take us through what it was like, what it was like to play. Yeah, um, yeah just take it away. <laughs> um, well, as far as I can remember, I had a football at my feet. My dad played locally in Newcastle. Um, so I was just around football all the time. And exercise was one of the major things I was good at. Um, so from I was lucky because I was a t- about 12-year-old I was quite tall. I was about six foot when I was 12. So I hadn't had an advantage over the people I played with. So I grew up through Walls End Boys Club and spent a lot of time, loads of, all my youth there playing football. And usually if if you do well at Walls End, it's a feeder club to Newcastle. So I think I was about 12 when I first went to Newcastle and had trials and some training and stuff like that. and, um, And then... At 14, I got like a, a, they called a schoolboy um, form. So I signed like officially for Newcastle at 14. Then at 16, I got an apprenticeship when I left school. Obviously, I was big and clever and left school with no qualifications because I was going to be a millionaire and buy all these houses and cars for my mom and dad and that. And then, um, and I walked out of school in May, started with Newcastle July. And then, um, it just came around really quickly. I was 16 year old. I was playing for the first team. I was in, in and involved with the first team. I got a professional contract at 17 on my 17th birthday. I made my debut against Spurs at 17 at St. James's Park. Um, I made my full debut at St. James's Park in against Oxford and scored at the Gallagher end after about four minutes. Um, so that is just like everything you could wish for as a young lad growing up in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and I had the next three or four years in Newcastle. Uh, I played a, a dozen games in and around the first team and scored, I think it was three goals. Um, but I just I wasn't good enough at that year at that time. You know, I, I don't think I was good enough to, you know, to get a place and I needed to drop down the leagues and I dropped down in Central Lincoln at 19, left home. Um, things were going great there, but then I snapped my anterior and posterior in a training tackle. Um, so I didn't actually play for another 18 months. I had my knee fully reconstructed. And that time I sort of finished my, <clears throat> my career at 32, but I played with a limp and 
I got away with with playing at a level that I was comfortable at and I could get away with. Um, I mean, I was lucky. I, I played for Chesterfield and I, I had um, four years at Chesterfield and we had the playoff final. I scored at Wembley in the playoff final. Uh, I was involved in the cup run when they got the semi-final of the FA Cup, although I didn't play in the, f- the semi-final. Um, so football was really, really good. Um, I, f- I enjoyed everything about it. It's everything that a young a young guy could want, you know. And then, um, so 35, basically my knee crumbled and gave away and I couldn't train on a regular basis. Um, so I became fat and lazy and, uh, <laughs> and then sort of, um, and, and the, my career just came to an end. So, um, yeah, so it was brilliant. Couldn't, you know, couldn't ask for anything else. It was everything I ever, ever wanted to do. Yeah, and I suppose, like, like the way you talk about it, I can hear the passion in your mm. voice. And it, I think when, because for people who don't like football, they probably don't get it. Because I know for me as a football fan, I absolutely get what you're talking about. And when you said you scored, you know, at St. James's Park, that's like me scoring at the cop ends. Yeah. That's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just something that it, it grips you and, you know, it's the excitement and the passion. And that definitely comes through when you're talking about it. Just picking up when you said about the injury. I mean, how do you deal with that when you've got a really bad injury? You know, it's really bad. The physios mm. are sort of looking at each other like, oh, this is a bad one. Yeah. How do you then sort of mentally deal with the fact that you're going to probably miss a whole season's worth of football? You've got to kind of stay really focused on your recovery. How do you kind of mentally deal with that? Um, well, first of all, I played football for 16 years. I never had a pulled muscle once, yeah. um, but I had 11 operations. So all my all my injuries were fairly serious. Um, so that, I mean that that by far was the biggest injury I had, and I have to I have to admit it was really tough, really really tough. Um, and it was the last training session of the season, um, and the talk about. So I had one. I went and seen the doctor. My knee was that swollen. They they couldn't. They had to wait about two weeks for the swelling to come down and. They drained the fluid off, and he said, "If this is black, then we've got it's serious." And it, it was jet black, all the blood that was in it. Um, and you just you just have to mentally prepare yourself for the long road ahead. And I used to train. I used to do my rehab at seven in the morning, so I'd miss the players coming in to train. Um, I'd watch the players like matches at home, but I wouldn't go to away games. So sort of, um, I'm not very good at was is it decompent. What's it when you know you, you take your way you take yourself away from what's going on? So you just I was just lived in a bubble, do you know? You're almost like an outsider looking in, aren't you? It's yeah. it's as if you're oh, not even good. in that world anymore. You're just an outsider looking in. Yeah, no, it definitely was. But I had to get to be a footballer, you have to be incredibly resilient and stubborn and pig-headed. And you just have to have that belief that you're gonna come back. Um, well and being able to play um i knew i knew i, I, have, I had loads of problems because i had f- had the initial operation and i had five more operations after it over that 16 month period and it it just was I, to this day i still concentrate in my leg and i can't still bend it fully what i did find out was my cruciate anterior cruciate was too short 
So, um, so I've always struggled with that. Um, but I think, like you say, it just goes back to you, you sort of, and I think you, you go, well, obviously, we'll talk about the cancer and you'll understand this. You, you focus on something and everything else sort of doesn't really exist. Like, you, I'm not saying you care about, because obviously, family and relationships and stuff like that, but you just put yourself in a bubble where you just, you just utterly, you're, you're just, you just have to get yourself well and fit, yeah. you know. And because the thing is, football moves on. The team doesn't wait for you to come back. Do you know what I mean? And if you yeah. sit there and wonder, and life's exactly the same, you know. If you sit there and wonder, oh gosh, you know, the, every, all the players are going to wait for us, and the fans will be, you know, dying for me to come back. Well, you come back eighteen months later, and you have to reinvent yourself to a certain extent, you know. And, the teams moved on and managers move on and players move on and um so yeah football's a really is a really really strange environment to be in because it's such cutthroat you know it's so tough to be involved in that you know if 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 you've got like a slight weakness or a you know it's it's just trampled on um and i really found i could hold my own in in that world in era, so I, you know I was like say incredibly resilient and just um, really really focused on on either getting back to play. You, you you listen if you listen to interviews on on the telly of players and managers talk about winning. Winning is everything in football. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. Nothing, does it even you know drawing a game or losing a game never comes into a conversation? You know. And it's the same with the training session. It's the same with the game of cards. It's if I'm playing kid the games with the kids, I hate to lose. I don't let them win. Do you know what I mean? They have to learn. You know what I mean about that competitive spirit. You know, and um, so yeah, I think that's that was sort of the area I really sort of excelled into a little bit. Yeah. Did you have a stint at managing as well? Um, am I right in thinking you were? Well, no, I didn't. Not as a manager. I had a, I had a I had a little bit as a coach. Yeah. And, and sitting here now, see, when football was finished, I was bitter and twisted and I walked away from football. Um, and then after a few years, I came back and coached kids and stuff like that. Um, as I sit here now, I probably regret, I think I would have loved the chance to manage a football club. Yeah. Didn't like coaching, but I think I would have loved to find out if I could have managed a club and a team and players. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably. I think you would have been a good manager. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking to you now. (laughs) I suppose. I mean, the the only the only certainty as a manager is you'll get the sack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we sit here now. The Chelsea managers just got the sack, and you just go, "What's this world all about?" You know what I mean? So. Yeah, so on the pitch you're all right, but step away from that, and it's a bit touch and go. (laughs) Uh, Yes, definitely. yeah. 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 Um, so obviously moving a little bit away now from the football, um, you obviously you had other things going on, you know, you moved away from football and then 2013 was kind of where life changed for you, would you say? Um, and that's when you got your your diagnosis. Yeah, certainly. I mean, my life changed ten year, three years before that. Um, yeah. yeah, I got I got a phone call. I was working in Derby at the time. I got a phone call from my mum. 
and she she rang me up and told me she'd just been diagnosed. Um, so that would have been around about, oh gosh, I don't know, 2009, 2010, something like that. Something that, you know, wasn't in the family, something that never come across. Yeah. Uh, it took three years to kill my mum. And it was horrific, the ending, you know what I mean? It, all of it was horrific. Um, and then I lost my mum. And then 13 months later, I got diagnosed myself. So one of the things you hear is that, and I was exactly the same, you know, someone tells you you've got cancer, you just think, well, when am I going to die? Yeah. When's this thing going to kill us? Do you know what I mean? Um, and I had, I, I had a lump on my neck, which was no bigger than a pea. I had no symptoms. I hadn't been ill. I was kit man of Chesterfield Football Club, so I was running around and busy and doing all the stupid things that players do and stuff and all that, and I was fine. And I just, it just was there. Do you know what I mean? And I, it was really strange. I spoke to the physio, who was a friend of mine, and he said, well, we've got football match. We've got a match tomorrow. Come and see the doctor. So I spoke to the club doctor, and he went, hmm, she's just going to see your GP. He says, I went and see my GP, and he went, I don't think it's anything, but we'll have to refer you. And then I went to the hospital. They, I went to the hospital to have a scan, and they went, looks all right, to be honest. I tell you what, we'll, have, we'll, we'll send you for an ultrasound scan and a biopsy. He went, it doesn't look an abnormal shape. He says, look, he says, he says, you'll probably get a phone call in four to six weeks. Um, and that and that was it. I left. You know what I mean? Left the hospital, never thought anything more of it. In fact, it was six weeks later, I got a phone call. And he says, oh, can you come up for your results? We don't give them over the phone, but can you come in? I says, yeah, I'm coming. Can I be in the afternoon? Because I work in the morning. It's quiet there. I went up with me kit, my training kit. Um, very early blase. And then, um, and obviously, then I got then I, I got ushered into a room. And you know, when you walk into somewhere and you just go, "Oh, do you know what I mean?" Yeah. And I walked in this room, and there was a consultant. I remember this consultant sat behind the desk, a nurse over his right shoulder, and another nurse at the at the door. And it was like, it, it almost. I mean, I've never been to prison, but just felt like you know, you got. I just felt like I was in prison. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like these people have stopped me from getting out. Do you know what I mean? You're probably wondering as well, why is there three of you? Why, <laughs> why isn't there just a doctor? I know. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was just. And then you just go. It's just one of them things. You just go. Your heart sinks for a second, and you go, oh, "Well, can it be?" Do you know what I mean? So. And he, I remember just sat and sitting down, and I just remember he probably he probably talked for 20, 30 minutes, and I remember two words. Yeah. One was one was cancer, and one was radiotherapy, and the rest was just an absolute blur. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, and the the, the first thing was is you've got cancer, and it was like I've just lost my mum. It took three years. I was like, bloody, I'm, I'll be dead in a few years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, that was that was a bit of a shock to be honest. It wasn't it wasn't on the uh, the old goal setting <laughs> I've done throughout the years. You know what I mean? So so yeah, that sort of came in. It well, that was December. I can't remember the years bl blurring. So that was the December thirteen months after I lost my mum. So 
I suppose that was more of a shock for you because you didn't have any other symptoms. Mm. I mean, we see, you know, adverts on TV, on the radio all the time, you know, check for lumps and bumps, check for this, check for that, fatigue, weight loss. Yeah. And I suppose you just felt your normal self and then get told that it's a bit, you know, but I must admit I was a bit the same. Um, so when I was diagnosed with leukemia in 2015, I didn't think I had any symptoms. I just thought I was tired from uni. Yeah. So when they say it to you, it's a bit like, really? Have you got that right? It's definitely <laughs> me. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, I suppose all kinds of things come into your head at that time. It's just part of the process of, you know, it's the shock. It's trying to absorb the information they're telling you. But, yeah, I suppose for you as well, you probably thought the worst, didn't you, it, with what's happened to your mom, you automatically yeah. thought this isn't going to end well. And I suppose, had you ever heard of lymphoma <laughs> before? Never. Did you even know what that was? No, it wasn't, no. I never never heard of it. I'd heard of, obviously, the, the main, what you class as the main ones, and obviously leukemia yourself and breast cancer. And I hadn't really heard of many men's sort of cancers. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really talked about back then. Um. So, yeah, it was, I'd never heard of lymphoma. Um, yeah, so it was just a complete a surprise. <clears throat> surprise. I remember a friend of mine, I remember telling a friend of mine, and she went, just don't Google it. You yeah. know what I mean? Good advice. <laughs> and, I like, <laughs> and I was like, no, that sounds fine. You know what I mean? I was sort of fairly um, oblivious to it. And, and to be honest, because I wasn't particularly ill, I never thought it would be too much. You know, when it all settles down and the land lies and you think, well, and I remember the, obviously they said you're going to have to say it was only about 16 sessions of radiotherapy. So, um, so it wasn't massively serious. I don't think they took it, obviously they took it seriously, but it wasn't as if it was going to be life threatening. I think it was just, you know, what we both got is it, it, they, they try and manage them. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so yeah, so I think, um, so yeah, within within a couple of months, I was off for radiotherapy, and you know the mask fitted and all the stuff that goes with it, and it was really lucky. Within about six or eight sessions, it it, it had gone, as in you couldn't tell the lumps. So, um, so yeah, it was you know I, I got the all clear and it and it was perfectly fine. And then you think you have that, you know, they tell you, you know, you get the five years and you've never had cancer and. Uh, so I sort of now just said, right, let's get the just get on with your life, really, to a certain extent. And it was quite a it was quite a time. I packed in my job. Uh, I got a few quid, obviously, from insurance, and I, I really wanted to change the world. Do you know what I mean? I tried, and I, I went. You know, I got involved with the lymphoma charity and raised some money for them. And I went to the Arctic and did a dog sled and stuff like that. And um. So yeah, I just tried to sort of do as much as I could to sort of give something back to, you know, to the community I lived in who were so good to me through my football career, really. Yeah. To be honest, the, even the way you talk about it, it sounds like 
you were quite positive. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I imagine there was times when you thought this is absolutely hell. But, <laughs> you know, the, it's nice that you managed to find something that, you know, you were actually, you felt quite passionately about aside from football. So getting involved with the charity and doing good things for them, good things for the community. It's almost like taking a bad experience and, and flipping it and making it something positive. Yeah, no, I mean, that was totally it, to be honest. You know, I always looked at it and thought, well, I have an opportunity to do something with my life, you know. And one of the big things was to make my children proud. I've got four children. And what I didn't want to do was my life to ebb away and the kids. I always had this thought in my head that my kids would be in the, in, in the, uh, in the playground with their friends and they would say, oh, well, what did, you, what did your dad used to do? And it, it would, it would, kill me if this sort of said well nothing really do you know what I mean and I, I sort of wanted I sort of set my stall up to say I wanted my kids to be proud of something I'd, I'd achieved and I'm not I was never sure that I felt football was was that thing it was I always felt to bring uh, I'm not spiritual at all but I was just like to bring good into the world you know what I mean and someone with a good heart who wanted to try and help people if if my kids were able to say that about me that's what would, you know what I mean? That would that would be everything for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was, I mean, I was massively positive on everything I had. Um, I had, what was it? I mean, I got, a, you know, I had, you have this five-year cycle. You try to get to, I got a four years and it came back. So it came back another lump, it came back in my mouth, but they weren't particularly, they, had, they did a thing back then called watching weight and basically yeah. if it didn't kill you, you just get on with it, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, so, so yeah, so I, I, I missed the, I missed, obviously didn't get to me five years and then, um, and just cracked on, do you know what I mean? I was, I was, I used to do talks in schools. I was part of the NCS program a few years ago and I would do like my story to, and then, um, you know, share my experiences with young people and young adults, just to hopefully to give people either a kick or the backside, but to show that, you know, like, um, you know, cancer is not a death sentence, you know what I mean? And there is life after it and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so I did that for a good few years and I absolutely loved it. And again, I always talk about the fuzzy feeling inside, you know, and that job and doing all of that give me that fuzzy feeling inside, which is 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 um I don't know is what you strive for really. Yeah, I think um you know life sometimes takes us on these different paths, doesn't it? And yeah. you end up doing something that years ago when you were playing football. Imagine if someone had just said to you, "Oh, actually, you're going to work for a charity. You're going to be an ambassador for a charity. You're going to go into schools and talk yeah. about this." You probably would have thought, no way, no way would I be doing that. But it's it's nice when something sort of like it takes you by surprise, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and and it, it turns out really positive. Um, so I suppose for you, even though you were doing well, it was still like, do you think that cancer was always in the back of your mind? Or do you think you were kind of like, no, I, I, I've beaten it before, you know, it's, it, it's yeah. fine. But do you think it did sort of subconsciously make its appearance at times. I mean, it's got to, isn't it? I mean, you kind of, I mean, you always hear about secondary cancer coming back and killing you. 
well, I've had it three times by now. And I was like, you almost get a belief that you're, you're bulletproof, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, you, and you sort of just, you go, well, it's not killed me yet. It's had a three, it's already had three goes, you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, you just, the re, when you said before about my knee, and I, I was quite sort of like, you know, talking about being resilient and focused and stuff like that. Part of part of the, I, I turned my cancer journey, or have turned my cancer journey almost into a football match, because that was the only way I could sort of, in my head, process it. Yeah. So a football match is like preparing for it, like the week leading up to it, or the days leading up to it. Um, and then that, do anything and everything to win you know what i mean there's you know losing was, was never and that's sort of why i sort of labored on that point at the really beginning and that's one of the things i sort of lived by that this isn't going to this isn't going to win this is isn't going to be this do you know what i mean and now when i sit the city and you know and we have this conversation i know it will catch up with us do you know what i mean but <laughs> i mean it will talk about it later on if you want but i mean it's like it's it's i have a i have a couldn't care less attitude to a certain extent about it do you know what i mean yeah and it's almost like you go it's going to come back it will kill me do you know what i mean and it could happen tomorrow yeah it could happen in 10 years time but i'm not going to sit here and worry that tomorrow morning i could wake up with it um I sort of look forward to the fact that in 10 years' time, I'll still be a pain in the backside to everybody around us. <laughs> and then, um, so, um, yeah, so, and, and there's, so, there's so many, like, throwaway comments, like, you live each day as your last, you know what I mean? Make, make, you know what I mean? Make, enjoy, enjoy life and stuff like that. And until you get that close to actually somebody taking away from you, you do, you know what I mean? You do enjoy, you have to enjoy every day. And I do make the most of every day I'm alive. Do you know what I mean? Because as as you as you well know, um, I came. I was gravely three three years ago, almost three years ago to the day. I was gravely ill. Do you know what I mean? Really, yeah. really ill. And funnily enough, I did I did a I did an interview last week for McMullen, and the lady who was head of hematology, my, who was who was my nurse. She was in. She was in an interview, and she said, "He, he." She said, "He will never know how poorly he was." Do you know what I mean? Which was yeah. probably a good thing. Do you know what I mean? But um, I, I um, yeah, I, I was in a really, really bad way. Do you know what I mean? And as we discussed before, do you know what I mean? I ended up having a stem cell transplant because they couldn't find a chemotherapy chemotherapy to keep my um, my cancer under control. You know, it was out of control. Um, so it was, you know, if you sit, I mean, all every consultant I've ever spoke to has always, has, has always said it'll come back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I got the all clear from the guys in Sheffield at the, the Halmshire Hospital. And both consultants, two separate con consultants, both said, uh, so one of them said, Right, well, you got the all clear. We're going to send you back to Chesterfield. Then they're going to look after you. And I'm, oh, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Great news, blah, blah, blah. And you went, yeah, yeah. But it will come back. We will meet again. You know, that was his parting shot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, 
and then another guy in Sheffield I spoke to, and he was like, if it come because I've had, I know you mentioned about CAR T, well, I've been told I've had all the treatment I possibly can have. There's nothing left for us. So the, the next consultant says, you do realize that if it comes back aggressive as aggressive as it was, we haven't got anything to manage it with. There's nothing left. Do you know what I mean? So so I sort of live the fact of if it comes back as aggressive as it was three years ago, then I'll be gone in days and weeks. Do you know what I mean? Not months and years. It'll be like literally you've got it and it'd be like in a puff of smoke, I'll be gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I can't sit around waiting and wondering, you know what I mean? And, and, and living life that in fear of it, I've sort of put that to one side, I've boxed that off. And if it comes back, so be it. But then everything else I've got, I just, I've thrown myself into, you know, you know, and gone back to the football days of like, focused on this and resilient on that and you do all of this and you look after this and um so yeah so that's where I, that's where I am with all that at the minute yeah what I mean it's like Sorry. where do you even start I know, yeah, I was just thinking I've gone off a tangent it's, no no honestly it's it, thank you for being so open you know with me but I suppose one thing I picked up on what you said earlier about you know watching your mum go through it was hell and I imagine now for your family, it's really hard for them because they've watched you be really, really poorly. And I often think it's worse sometimes for the family because even when you were feeling rubbish, as your nurse said, you will never know how poorly you were. So you were probably like, oh, I'm all right. You know, I'm I'm okay. I feel all right. But your family could see that you weren't. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's sometimes really hard for them, isn't it? Because they can't yeah. get inside your head. They don't know the truth you can say I'm all right as many times as you can but it must be you know yeah. so so I suppose for them you know they're just trying to support you and and I'm sure that they are you know really proud of you and <laughs> and your positivity will rub off on them um because at the end of the day if you're positive then there's no reason why they shouldn't be as well yeah. I mean do you agree with no definitely yeah and um I mean, to, to touch on that point, and again, you'll know this. Again, you just you you just focused on yourself. It's about yeah. it's about getting through each minute of each day, each bit of treatment, and hoping you wake up the next day. And you just that's you just tunnel vision, really. Um, and yeah, I mean, my partner Mel, she met me probably ten years ago, so she's seen every part of my cancer journey. Do you know what I mean? And she yeah. knows a lot younger than I am. And for somebody, you know, to go through that at such a young age or a younger age is it's got to be incredibly tough, you know. And she see me, she see me at my worst, you know what I mean? And you know, what I mean, when talk about stem cell transplant, you, I lost my bodily functions, you know what I mean? So all of a sudden you climb out of bed and you've gone, oh down and soil yeah. yourself and all sorts, you know what I mean? You didn't know what you did it. And, so whereas, you know, you'd be embarrassed by that, but you just got to get on with stuff like that. Um, what, what I've done is when I, when I first got diagnosed, I set up a support group. So I set up an online support group with which I wanted to try and I put a helpline out there and 
you know, I just wanted to try and help. And now I'm really fortunate. I work at a football club at Chesterfield. I work for their, the, the trust, the charitable arm of the football club. And we run support groups and we're developing support groups for, for cancer patients. And, and then anyone affected by cancer can come along. But um, a few weeks ago, we sat down and um, we, we're going to do a, a support group for spouses and families, not necessarily the patients, you know, because that is is as important because there's no help out there. Do you know what I mean? It, you know, Mel's been through everything, and, but there's not an ounce of support for her. Do you know what I mean? She just has to sort of live with it, get on with it, you know, park that to one side and then get on with her life, you know, and that is, um, that's got to be incredible, you know, um, incredibly tough, do you know what I mean? Because, again, you, when you're in it, you just sort of, I'm just looking after myself, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, without being awful, you, you, you're fighting that so much, you haven't got a lot of energy and, and, and strength to, to worry about the outside world, really. Yeah. No, I totally agree, and, like, similar to what you were saying your partner so so my partner we were only 19 when I was diagnosed and he's been through every sort of step with me and yeah there was no support for him no support Um, for my parents who had to take time you know out of work to look after me my younger sibling she was at school trying to do GCSEs while her sister's got cancer it's You know, and and I think that's absolutely fantastic what you're doing with the support group because I honestly wish that we had things like that all up and down the country um, because it's, I, I just don't think it's spoken about enough, actually. Um, mm. I've, you know, I've been sort of immersed within the cancer world now since 2015 and I've never come across a support group for family and friends, mm. um, you know, and so ho- hopefully now things might, change and and they will get the support that yeah. that they need. No, it is, yeah, yeah. And I think I mean I mean there's 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 loads there's loads of help out there. There is loads of help out there. But you don't it's picking up that phone isn't the easiest thing in the world, you know what I mean? To ask for help. Yeah. And then um I got asked a question last week with Mac Mullen and this you know people talk about oh if you find a lump go to your doctors or ring up, do you know what I mean? And it took me a couple of weeks to sort of have a lump to go to approach somebody because I knew that if this lump is not a normal lump, my life is going to change dramatically. And that's not easy, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's it's you know, to sit there and see if I make this phone call to my GP, my either my life's going to be all right or drastically changed, you know what I mean? And there's no middle ground. It's either really good or really bad. Um, and like you say, it's easier said than done because a lot of people will not make that phone call because they would rather live as they are. I'm happy where I am. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's like you say, it's easier said than done. And I think to, to admit to somebody I need help is really tough as well. You'll only, I yeah. think... I'm going to talk from my experience. I only sort of reached out for help when I was rock bottom. And that yeah. was like, obviously, on, on, on different levels as well. Um, and again, so, so again, it, it, it's a tough thing just to go, 
to ring a total stranger up on a phone number you've never rang before and go, I'm really struggling. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't happen. But the support group, but we've got at the minute, we've got four or five people. We have about 20 people who come on a monthly basis. And we have four or five people who sit around the table who are terminally ill. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they sit around there and I try and make it a purpose to come. You know, we'll have a speaker and talk about something, you know, that's purposeful. But we also have a laugh with it. Do you know what I mean? And you, you'll know this. You have you have to have a dark sense of humour to get through cancer, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And nobody else will get it. And everybody else will think we're weird. Do you know what I mean? But you do. You need, you need some sort of sick sense of humour to get you through it. And we talk about things like that. And we, we do everything. All the support groups we do, we have a theme. It's a cup of coffee and it's I call it a sticky bun. All right? So you come along, we have a slice of cake and you have a tea and a coffee or a drink or whatever. And it's all done around that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we... And that you see, the, there's a couple, the couple of people that are terminally ill come and say, like, we feel so comfortable here because we can talk in an environment which everybody knows what we're going on about. Yeah. You know, and when they go home, you know, their husbands or kids or family don't want, you know, don't want to talk about cancer. It doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, we we just talk openly about it, you know, and and. We just, I mean, one of the ladies the other day was like, oh, do you know what it is? I'd love to sit on the seaside, cup of coffee, just smell the salt in it. So I goes, right, well, let's sort it out. So 27th of September, all off to Skeg for the day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I love and that. So, and then there's, um, what was it? One of the ladies, one of the ladies has never been to Skeg in her life. And that's, it's on our bucket list. And she, we never knew. And then she was like, oh, that's on my bucket list. I've never been to Skeg before. I want to do it. And you just think like the things that open up from conversations and people have you throw away a comment nobody thinks about. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, you just have to sort of grasp every sort of olive branch you can you can find and grab hold of to extend what you're doing in life. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Um, so yeah, it's and I mean, even we talk about that, I guess goosebumps, you know what I mean? And Again, again, I'll go back to that fuzzy feeling inside. It, it's, I mean, I get paid a little bit for what I do. And it's not about the money, do you know what I mean? It's about coming out, coming away with knowing that you're doing better in the world and, you know, you're trying to make the place a, you know, a, a better place. So yeah. and that's, and that's really, we sit here, obviously being cancer survivors and patients and whatever we have. And I think, that's what we try to do, don't we? We went out. You realise when something when you come so close to something being taken away from you, you really do appreciate it, and you you, you appreciate the small things in life. Do you know? What I was I mean? just gonna. You took the words out of my yeah. mouth there. <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I was just gonna people. say exactly the same. Yeah, and like if you can just imagine, this lady wants to go. All she wants to go to is sit at the seaside and have a cup of coffee. All right, so we've now got a 45 seat bus. It's going to cost a thousand pounds to get everybody there and all that. Do you know what I mean? But you go, when when it finally catches up with that, do you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? That that day, that day, we, but we all die. Do you know what I mean? That's the only thing is certain. It's, it's, it's how you live your life. Do you know what I mean? 
in how and you she will it. remember that day as well and she, she will yeah, yeah i think you all will as well because you you know you you got this little idea you ran with it and then it's going to turn out to be a really a really nice day that you'll all fondly remember which is mm. just which is really nice isn't it <laughs> we used to um what we used to do so like going back to you you appreciate the small things I tell this story all the time because it just makes me laugh that on my good days if I was all right like feeling okay on chemo and stuff we me, me and my fiance were kind of like old people trapped in young people's bodies <laughs> we used to we there's this garden center that we really like because they do the best scones ever <sighs> ever like ever and I used to say, oh, should we go and get a coffee and a scone? And we'd yeah. sit there like a little old couple with our coffee and a scone. But that just used, to, it was that normality again. Like, oh, this is, we're doing something that we really enjoy together. And yeah. for that little moment, you don't think about cancer. You don't think about what else is going on. But, and, and some people probably think, oh, you're only eating a cake. But to us, that was such a big thing. And we'd come away and we'd be like, oh, we've had a lovely little day. And, you know, it, but but to people who haven't had cancer or don't know anyone who's had it, that probably is meaningless to them. But yeah, for the likes no, of me, I would agree. Yeah. And I've kept, I've probably kept that on as well. You know, when we talk about the coffee and the cake, and you know, I, I call it a sticky bun and everyone's picked up, pick up, picked up that at work. Everything we everything revolves around that, and like you said, because those are the little. So you know, you, you know, when you, you you're recovering, you sort of have that. Well, eventually, I can leave the house, and oh, I can, I've got the strength to go. The first thing we do is you go to a coffee shop. Easiest thing to do is to get a house in it. Go to a coffee shop. You go to a coffee shop, and we go. What I have, I have a cup of coffee and a sticky bun. Do you know what I mean? It's the easiest yeah. thing. Do you know what I mean? And that's like, and that's everything. Sort of gone on from that or progressed from that um but yeah it's i mean it was really strange i mean 2000 you talk about like well i sort of see talk about little things but it's, this is quite a big thing so 2019 december i got told i wouldn't live for 12 months so as a stubborn northerner i went oh well that wasn't the day say december january it was january the first i went for my first walk after my stem cell transplant, and I came back and I signed up for the Great North Run. Wow. <laughs> and I just went, eh, I wasn't going to live, I didn't think I'd live that long for it. And then I just went, um, I've got, I need something to do, I need something to focus on, I need something to do, you know what I mean? And, um, but that was like, it was, but that, at that time, that was a huge thing, but a, a little, I knew my next step, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, it, I always, when you talk about things, I do, I talk, I do talk about baby steps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've made a massive step to say I'm going to run 13 mile, but it's like that step tomorrow, I'll walk a little bit further and work. Yeah. And that's, and that's how a lot of the things I've done in my life, really, around it. Do you know what I mean? Just little yeah. steps, but just appreciating. If, if doing the small things and then you look back a month and you're going oh hang on i've walked 15 miles this month or 10 miles you know what i mean and little things like that and it is the little things in life that you do appreciate and you know it's you know, wake up to people who wake up and smell the coffee but like the, the flowers and you know i love sitting in the garden and listen to the rain i smell the rain and stuff like that yeah. stuff like that you you know you you take for granted yeah and um yeah just the small things in life you just cherish really 
Yeah, I think you do. And, you know, people, there's a lot of negativity around cancer, you know, as there should be, it's still, you know, the, the biggest killer in, mm. you know, and although I do think that people can, you know, you can bring your sense of humor to your hospital appointments, you can, you know, still go out and see family on your good days, you can still... So although that there is, it is an incredibly negative experience, and there's a lot of negativity around it, you can still you can still appreciate the small things. You can still do positive things with your life. You know, mm. still setting. You mentioned before about you, you quite a keen goal setter, um, and you have been through your life. And there's absolutely no reason I don't think why you should have to stop setting goals just because you've got cancer. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I mean. My goals are shorter. Yeah. You know, it's definitely Mel, my partner. She keeps going and she, oh, like in five years' time, we could do this, you know, and then 10 years' time, we go down like, oh, you know, let's re really back into like, we'll do 12 months. You know what I mean? 12 months is long enough. But um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I went through some, after, when I finished playing football, I went through some dark times, really mental health issues that I, I really struggled with. And I always remember, the thing that got me through was, I, I don't know why I called it, it was light at the end of the tunnel. If you've got light at the end of the tunnel, you've got something that keep, you keep marching on towards. And I'm sure that's something my dad told me, obviously, when, when I was younger. And it's the same with, with, with a, right, you've got cancer and you're stuck with this label. And I sort of went, right. And I said before, right, in 12 months' time, we'll, we'll do this. And then you work, as you do with any goal, you work your way back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I knew that in 12 months' time, that light at the end of the tunnel is what I'm marching towards, you know? And I know it's going to take me 12 months to get there, and I've got 365 steps in between to get there. Right, what will each step look like to a certain extent? And that was... I, when I was young, I didn't, I didn't realise the power of a goal. But, again, it's only really been through the, my cancer journey that I've been able to set targets and goals, however you want to put it. And then you say, I talk about the baby steps to get there, you know, yeah. and that's, that has been, that's been massive for me, being able to do stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And you've also got your, your own sort of charity now, haven't you, Bright Side? Um, I was mm -hmm. having a little read up about that. Like, again, that's something positive that's come out of your own personal experience, isn't it? Yeah, it was. And that all came about was because someone tells you you've got cancer and then they go, right, in six weeks' time, come back to the hospital and you know, we'll have a plan for you and we'll tell you what, four, six weeks' time. And you go, all right, fine. And then you've got four weeks where you sort of sat going, am I going to die? What's the treatment? You know, and I just remember banging my head off the wall for once. And I just thought, everything I've tried to do, I've tried to think, I never want anybody else to have to go through that. Yeah. And we spoke earlier on, and there's loads of charities out there. And there's, again, it's that picking up the phone, you know what I mean? And, and actually speaking to somebody is really tough. Um, and I just thought, so one of the things I did was I, used, I wrote a blog. So again, with my age, I don't know, I didn't used to like to talk about my issues and problems. But so one of the ways I found out of, of getting, my feelings across was by writing a blog and then people were like saying publish it so put it out there and and then I thought well if it, if it helps one person then um 
um, then that's fantastic, you know. And I wrote this blog, I write this blog two, three o'clock in the morning, full of steroids and unbeing able to sleep, you know, as, as you know, in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not slept for like three days, you're still bouncing off the walls. Um, and I would write it and I, w- I would write it and it would be spelling mistakes and the wrong grammar and I'd write it in Geordie and no one could probably understand it. But it was my way of going, this is this is what's going on in my life at the minute. And if anybody else feels exactly the same, let me know. You know, what I mean? or yeah. at least you can go, I'm not the only person going through this, feeling like this. Because you do think you are, you know, and you yeah. sat in that. It's hospital. quite a lonely place, isn't it, cancer? I always oh, say that yeah. to people. It is very lonely. It's isolating. It's mm. yeah. So that that's all I have. It and then bright bright side I set up just to see that I just thought. If, if anybody's in that, you know, period in between just being told and what happens next or anything, really, you know, I, I, again, it's a helpline. So it was a phone call, but there was text messages or there's emails and stuff. I just try to make it accessible as possible. And um, so, yeah, it, it was just an idea. And I just thought if I could reach out there and share my experiences with other people, um, I'm not a qualified counsellor and, and this, that, and other. I just thought I could just share my experiences and and if somebody could take some hope and, and from that, then, again, that would be worthwhile. Yeah, and you got good feedback from, from people, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been okay, to be honest. It was, I mean, initially when I, when I set it up, it, 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 it got to a level, and to be honest, working with the football club at Chesterfield has allowed me to take... Brightside hasn't gone on to the next level, but my work with Chesterfield is where I wanted Brightside to go. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. So, one thing again, you you you'll understand. And if you've if you've been through cancer, people go, I'll be told, right, you're you're um, you're cancer free now. You're clear. Fantastic. Go and get on with your life. It's like that. So I got the all clear, and I was told, right going up like off your pop sort of thing get out, just get on with your life enjoy it and you go all right well i'm, I'm running out of money do you know what i mean who's got to employees yeah uh, in the time i couldn't get i couldn't qualify for any benefits so i was sort of sat and i was like brilliant i've got the all clear and right what well, now the real world uh, what am i going to do do you know what i mean and that was the harsh realities of that was I had to start ringing around for jobs and I thought, well, nobody's going to employ me off a CV because where you've been for three years, well, I've nearly died and um, I need I need the six, eight days off a month to go and have treatment and while I'm working for you, I could drop down any any time dead and unfortunately, do you know what I mean? You'd have to pick me up and take me note and I just thought, no one's going to do it in the real world, you know. Um so I saw how to create something myself and I'd been involved with Notts County before from if I was I was an ambassador for Notts County's cancer rehab program six weeks before I got cancer. Wow. So I went down as an ambassador and then six weeks later I went down as a patient. I joined in their the rehab program. Yeah. So um, so I ran around a few football clubs and just sort of said, what he's doing? Are you doing a cancer program? Can I be involved with it? Can we set this up? And Chesterfield, were, uh, everybody was fantastic and supportive. Chesterfield said, we don't do anything, but it sounds like a great idea. And and that's where we've sort of 
ruled everything out. That's probably going on for nearly 12 months now. So, yeah. Uh, what was it? I'm prattling on. I forgot your question, what you're going to ask. <laughs> no, I was just saying that moved. everything you've done with Bright Sides, I imagine you've got good feedback. You've obviously, oh, yeah. People have, I imagine, got in touch and said, wow, just mm. reading your blogs really helped me, or I passed this on to a family member. And, because yeah. I, I do, I do think like your story, it does stand out to you as like, it's not just a, oh, you know, a, a sort of three month thing and then off you pop. It's, it is yeah. been a long journey and you've learned so much from it. And mm. so I, I just assume that people have sort of gotten bored with what you're doing. <laughs> no, it's been, yeah, it's been fine. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's strange though, because we did a dinner a few weeks ago yeah, to raise some money for, the project at Chesterfield and we had we had the initially you just set something up so I set it up as a cancer recovery program or, or cancer recovery group and we had this dinner like you see a couple of months ago now and there's a lady there who's terminally ill and her sister was there and we were finished and we did all the things and she 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 sat sat at the table and she went it's not a recovery group is it and I just went eh she went, it's not a recovery group because she's not going to recover, is she? And you just go, my God, you're right. Do you know what oh, I mean? You yeah. are right. So, and I was like, oh. at first you hurt because you never want nobody, you never want anybody to tell your baby's ugly. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the project you got isn't quite how it should be. And you go, no, honestly, you're right. So we've changed it. It's now a support, it's a cancer support group. For people affected by cancer and we used to call it a coffee morning we've got rid of the coffee bit do you know what i mean so yeah and now it's a cancer support group for anybody affected by cancer come along i have coffee in a sticky bun do you know what i mean yeah so feedback is is i think the world now is anything you do now people want feedback on it but i think when you get honest feedback like that you just sort of go you just take stock, do you know what I mean? And you think you yeah. think what you're doing is fantastic. And then and everybody will blow smoke up your backside and stuff like that. But initially, every now and then, someone will just, and you just go, you're right. Do you know what I mean? You know yeah. What I mean? So, so, yeah, you have to take everything on the chin. I think when you put yourself out there, you know, there's, there's people who've been to the group, haven't enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to go all right, it's not for everybody, do you know what I mean? People might like a different format, XX. So I haven't had too, you know, you haven't, I haven't had too many knocks like that, but yeah, people out there, do you know what I mean? Like you'll never know, they'll probably never enjoy the group and never want to come back, which is fine. Um, but all I'm, all I'm trying to do is just try my, my best to try and help as many people and, um, you know, keep that fuzzy feeling burning inside. <laughs> I think that's a nice way to finish actually <laughs> keeping oh, the fuzzy feeling <laughs> no worries. just just what maybe one last thing um aside from the great north run what is another goal that you've got you know that you you've set yourself that it could be to do with the way you want bright side to go it could be you know your other work or whatever you know what's I think we should finish on something positive and a good positive goal <laughs> so the, well the next goal is um is I want to continue with the running. I'll probably will not do another half marathon, but I'll continue with the running. The big the biggest thing is is that we've now we've got we've got a support group established for like 10 months. 
we've now got two smaller support groups off the back of that and I guess I mentioned earlier on about the next bit is really now to get a support group for you know spouses and family yeah and then a lady funny enough mentioned that the last group was the bereavement um, a bereavement group which I thought was quite interesting and thought-provoking so the um so probably to leave on a really positive note is uh, global domination and then uh, probably try to get prime minister and <laughs> you know i just you know just want to build all of these groups and try and help as many people as we can and you know and reach out to you know to to as many people as we can and sort of give a little bit of hope really yeah and i think it's nice to have that focus isn't it you know, oh, yeah. like at the moment you know your life is is you know sort of striving to make these groups better get more groups different groups thing and it must be so refreshing for you and for your family to see you you know sort of excelling and, and also having that focus yeah hopefully I love it I enjoy it as you probably can tell you know I love talking yeah, absolutely yeah I love talking about I'm really passionate of trying to you know what I mean when I'm long gone and stuff like that hopefully somebody will pick up the baton and run with it you know what i mean and then you never know where it grows to you know and yeah hopefully you can say well like you planted the seed and then it, it's grown from there and other people have taken it on so yeah, yeah absolutely and, and i think again it, people always it, you know when you're well do you know what i mean it's a horror i think it's a horrible phrase to hear but when you've been through what we've been through and you know, to live each day, you know what I mean? Almost as, as if it's your last. Yeah. And you know, to cherish everything you have around you um, is really, really important, you know, massively important, you know, and, and never to take for granted. Yeah. Completely agree with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks. Wow, what a fantastic episode. Thank you so much to Tony for joining me today. I honestly learned so much and I think it's so evident to see how passionate he is about helping other people who have been affected by cancer, their family and friends, those who've been bereaved, you know, that's a project he's working on at the moment and he honestly is, in everything he does, he puts 100% into it, he's so committed, he's enthusiastic and most of all he is passionate and that passion really came through in that conversation that we've just had to feel really really honored to have been able to have that chat with him even how open and honest he was I feel like if you're listening to this now and even if you haven't had cancer you can probably learn a lot from what Tony was saying you can put those things into practice in your everyday life I've had cancer and I certainly learned a lot from Tony and you know, he he has changed the way maybe I'll do things in the future in terms of goal setting, you know, having that end goal in mind and then knowing that you've got to come back from it and, and focus on what you're doing now to get there. And honestly, I do think that what he's doing with Brightside Charity, what he's doing with his support groups, it really, really will make a difference to not just his own personal community, but the wider community. Um, and I do wish him all the best in everything that he's doing. And I'm sure he's absolutely smashed the Great North Run. Um, you know, I know that was something that he's, he wanted to do. And it was something that he, he set himself as a goal at the very beginning of his cancer journey. So, yeah, best of luck. And, yeah, I just, I just really, really enjoyed 
talking to Tony, learning from him and sharing this with you all. Because uh, it it really, I honestly think it we can all learn something. And not only that, I feel like it, it's, it's uplifting and it's positive. And sometimes a lot of things to do with cancer aren't that, they're, they're the exact opposite. But the, with this episode, it was just nice to have such positivity, some humour. Um, and yeah, I've come away with a big smile on my face and I hope you will too. Mm-hmm.